Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Down bonus. From the Eat My Catfish Studios, it's time for Arkansas's number one caller-driven sports show. It's Drive Time Time Sports Sports on the Buzz Radio Network with your hosts, Randy Rainwater and Rick Schaefer. Lock it in and get ready to dial us up. Drive Time Sports is on the air. Hour number three of Drive Time Sports in the Buzz Radio Network. Rick Schaefer standing by in northwest Arkansas. I'm Randy Rainwater from the capital city. Let's begin this third hour with Danny. Danny, good afternoon. Welcome to Drive Time Sports. Good afternoon, Mr. Randy. Good afternoon. Hey, buddy. How you doing, Danny? Great. Well, I, 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 I normally don't watch a whole lot of baseball, especially regular season. It's, it's long and it's boring, but I do watch the playoffs. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. Yeah. I do watch the playoffs. I actually, okay. play, I actually played basketball. I actually played baseball. I love, I love the game. I love, now, I love being out at the park. Don't get me wrong. I love baseball. It's just watching it on TV. Being out at the park is a different experience. But uh, anyway, you guys help me understand what went on in that world in that world. But you may have already talked about it in the sixth inning when the Davis kid was at third base. Rick, Rick, you know what I'm talking about? You talking about the, the Wake Forest LSU Wake Forest game? No, Oral Roberts TC. Oh, Oral oh, Roberts. Oh, no, Roberts. I didn't get to watch it as closely as I, I was like. Little bit. I okay. didn't turn it on until the uh, seventh inning, so I didn't see the sixth inning. What happened? You just missed it, Rich. I mean, if it, 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 it replays, if you can record it, go back and just look at the play. It, I've never seen anything like it before in my life. Like I said, I played baseball at the Legion Ball. The Davis kid, the right fielder from TCU, he's on third base. There's a guy on second base. And so the batter hits the ball to the shortstop, the Oral Roberts shortstop. And the Oral Roberts shortstop, he, he checks the runner at third, and, but the runner at second, he's running. So he, so he throws it back to second base to force him to third. Okay, the Davis kid, he, he's at third. He's like, okay, this play is dead. So he just stands there on third base. Yeah. Okay, so he, ta- he tags the runner out. It's going to third base. He tags him yeah. out. And then he rolls the shortstop who, who had the ball. He rolls into the runner at third. And knocks him off the bag, and then he touches him. Yeah. Okay, and I'm, I'm sitting there saying, okay, they're going to give him that. They're, they're going to let him get back on the bag. And I'm, the announcer, they're sitting there saying, he, like, he clearly tagged him. I'm like, yeah, he did tag him, but he, he rolled into him and knocked him off third. And uh, so they do the big replay and everything. And then the, the, the announcer, they finally look up the rule, and they, they're saying, okay, the the rule says I forget which rule it is, but he says the rule says that if a runner is accidentally knocked off the base, whether it be accident or in- intentional. The umpire has the discretion to award him the base. Let him go back to the base and award him the base. So they do this big replay thing, and they call this kid out. Mm. I'm sitting there like, what in Who the world? Who was pushed out? off the bag, and they called the, him out? The yeah, shortstop tagged the runner who was running to third. He tagged him before he got to the base. Okay. And his momentum, okay. his momentum carried him into Davis, the runner who was standing at third. His, his momentum, he failed, and his momentum knocked him into Davis. Oh, his own player did. Okay. No, 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 no. But it was not his own player. Because I was looking at that. Yeah. Like, okay, You're his own player, I can understand. The ORU shortstop. Okay. Yeah. The ORU okay. shortstop. His okay. moment, he failed. His gotcha. momentum carried him into the, the runner and knocked him off the base. So he reaches up and tags him. Okay. They call their kid out. I've never seen that before in my That's life. That's I, I still don't understand it. And it's, like well, I said, the announcer said it's up to the discretion of the umpire to, you know, award the kid the, the, the base that he was previously on or whatever. And I'm like, what discretion is he using? I, I, I just did not 
understand. I still don't understand that play. Well, I'm guessing, obviously it didn't matter to TCU because they won easily anyway, but uh, it, let's say if it had been, been the lead run or the tying run, I'm guessing without seeing the play that when the shortstop bumped into him, he must have come off the bag very easily and maybe no, the, uh, maybe no, the umpire no. said he didn't, you know, the, the, no. the hit wasn't physical enough. That, that's the only thing I can I, figure without having seen saying, it. Rick, and that, that is not what happened. He clearly knocked this kid off the base. Knocked him off the base. Not, yeah, if he knocks him off the base, then he's supposed to be awarded the base. That's correct. So, and then, well, so and they missed one. Fire, what made it funny, Rick, was that, okay, this is like the top of the sixth inning. So this same day, this kid, he comes up the bat in the eighth inning. And he hits the ball to right field. And he's rounding the, the right field of Joe with the ball. He's a base hit. He juggled the ball. And, and Davis rounds the bag. And so the right fielder throws it back behind him. Davis gets back to the bag. And the, the first baseman catches the ball. And he's sort of kneeing him, almost like he's trying to push him off again. And Davis, he, he, he jumps up and sort of pushes him. You know, and the, the umpire, he, he, it's almost like I mean, the, the first base umpire, it's almost like he, he chastised uh, Davis. I could clearly understand what the frustration he, you know, he was, this guy, he's like, if this guy pushes me off base, they're going to call me out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, again, at least for TCU, it didn't matter. They won 6-1, to one, so it wasn't a close game. But no, I, final, I thing about the, final thing about it, Rick, okay. By the matter still batting, and Davis still first base. This same kid who been involved in all this, he tries to steal first, uh, <laughs> second base, and uh, the, the batter he fouls the ball off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Davis round he rounded second, and he just I mean it was like he just took his sweet time getting back to that base. He was just walking, you know. And the first base umpire, you could see him tell him, "Come on, come on, come on." So they warned. You know, it's a TC's coach. Almost, he almost lost it. He comes out like one, you know, but he was just, just if you can, if you can go back and find it, just find that sequence. It was just, I still don't understand. I still don't understand. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I, I appreciate it. Rick, I thought I knew you'd understand. I, I enjoyed that. But if you get a chance, just go back and, and try to find that. It's just crazy. Okay. You guys have a great rest of your day. Great. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Crazy things happen in baseball. That I'm sure you heard about the play with the Giants and the Dodgers, where uh, there's a pop up on the infield, and um, the it drops, and so the, the I can't remember it was a pitcher. The third baseman picks it up and throws wildly to first, and somehow so the guy surf, ends up circling the bases because he you know the throws into right field, but the runner on base didn't advance like he should have, and they ended up with a couple guys on third base. Yeah, and uh, and that took them out of an inning in a game that the Giants ended up winning in eleven innings. So uh, they're, they're and and again it was a the pitcher should have caught it, uh, but it was a high pop, and the third baseman called for it, and it just dropped. And so it should have been a disaster for the Giants. Instead, it was a disaster for the Dodgers, who hit the ball. How long has that been a unwritten rule of baseball? Yeah, that the pitcher does not catch a pop up. Yeah. Uh, so I was at a Ranger game this year. I came. I think it was against the Cardinals, where a ball was popped. It, it didn't go very high, and the pitcher caught it. And I thought, well, good for him. <laughs> That's a good deal. It was hit close to him, and he caught it. And you think about it, it used to be, it's not that way anymore, because now pitchers from, I guess, from the peewees, they don't hit. You know, they're they're designated hitters. But it used to be the best athletes on the team, when you and I were growing up, were the pitcher, the shortstop, and the center fielder. And so the, the pitcher, when he didn't pitch, usually played another position, and he was pretty good at it. So you're thinking, okay, if he's an athlete and a ball's popped up, why can't he catch it? But for some reason, they just don't want pitchers catching fly balls. Well, the first immediate thing that I think of is you don't want something freakish to happen, like, oh, the ball comes down, hits the top of his glove, and it breaks one of his fingers. You know, something like that. Yeah, or that stumbles was, over the mound or something. Yeah, or stumbles... Uh, you know, falls off the rubber, whatever it may be, trips over the rubber. But I have never figured that one out. And, uh, in fact, there was one the other day in the College World Series. There was that same situation. The ball was popped up to the point that it's going to come down almost on top of the rubber. 
and you could tell the pitcher was ready to take control and and call for the ball. And finally, the first baseman comes in and and calls him off of it. And immediately after the first baseman caught the ball, it's almost like an apologetic fist bump. Like, I know that probably was your ball, and I know you probably would have caught it, but the unwritten rule is I've got to catch it. So I'm sorry that I got onto your turf. So, I mean, that's kind of how I looked at it. So, anyway, it may not have been the case, but... um, I don't know if you saw this or not, Rick. Uh, this was on the Athletic, and they did their annual uh, player poll. Uh, they got the players' thoughts on the new rules, expansion teams, and Shohei Otani. Hmm. And who since June sixth is hitting four twenty six? Oh, he's he's red. his pitching hadn't been. Just, okay. Now, his last start was good, yeah. but before then, you're right, he hadn't pitched that He hadn't well. been just uh, no. yeah, dynamic on the mound, but he's still been red hot at the plate. But they polled, I want to say, 103 players across 22 teams. Everybody was given anonymity that you know, so no nobody would know who voted what. It said, if you were starting a team today, who is the first player you would sign. Now, these are the players voting amongst their peers. Okay. So, with 45.6% of the vote, Shohei Otani was the overwhelming favorite. Aaron Judge drew 14.5%. Ron Lacuna, 9.7%. Adley is it Rushman? Rushman, mm-hmm. he got five point eight percent. And well, that's interesting because um, if you're starting a team today, and I guess you're thinking you're you're going to be good for four or five years, because Otani's twenty eight years old, Judge is thirty one, and uh, and yes, they're established superstars. But I thought one of the first ones you would name is a guy named Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll oh, plays for the Arizona, yeah, Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamonds. Yeah. Now this is now you got to be careful with these things. Okay, so I think I've made it very clear on the program for those who never read Sports Illustrated, it's okay. If you watch MLB Network, you're going to see a guy named Tom Berducci. He is really, really a high quality writer. Back in Sports Illustrated's heyday, which would be the '60s and '70s and maybe '80s, they had the best writers. They wrote the best stories. It was it was a high quality magazine. The internet has basically ruined it uh, because now they can't pay the salaries they used to. Uh, they publish once a month, and uh, and I'll, I'll usually read one article a month. And the only reason I still subscribe to it is because you have to pay a subscription to get what's on their internet, and their internet's good. So uh, and Verducci writes for the internet and their magazine, but Verducci, as good as he is, last year in their before the baseball season started, he basically wrote about how Juan Soto was just this absolutely incredible superstar, and he was comparing. He was 22 years old, and he's comparing his numbers to Ted Williams. And yeah, Soto's numbers are good, but whoa, 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 whoa! In two years, you're going to compare his numbers to Ted Williams? Well, he hadn't come close to hitting 300 since. You know what he end up last year? About he got traded to San Diego, hit about two forty something. He's hitting two fifty something now. Ted Williams never hit anywhere near that. He had a career batting average of three forty four. Well, he has an article out now, and he talks about Corbin Carroll. Now, Corbin Carroll is one of the fastest players in Major League Baseball. He plays uh, left field for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. He's a rookie. And he's saying he might not only be rookie of the year, he might be most valuable player. Only two guys have ever had that happen to him. And so um, he shows his numbers that through his first 100 games, he has 19 home runs and 21 stolen bases in 100 games. Okay, those are good numbers. But I mean, in 100 games, those are really good. Do you know that since 1900, only one other player has done that? Only one other player has done that since 1900. His name's Ellis Burks. Now, you probably remember Ellis Burks. He was a, he was a pretty good outfielder for the Boston Red Sox. He was nothing special. 
So I'm sitting there thinking, he, and he's got these other charts comparing him to some of the all-time greats after 100 games, and I'm thinking, the guy he's even with is Ellis Burks, and you're saying this guy already is one of the best players ever? Do you think that might be a slight exaggeration? Well, the fact that he's a rookie. Yeah, but so, that's where so you was, start there. Well, so was Ellis Burks. Well, I realized that. Is Ellis but Burks I mean, in the Hall of Fame? No, but, and, and but so, my point so, is you don't automatically jump on a player after 100 games and start declaring him for the Hall of Fame. Right, but and just like you don't call Juan Soto Ted Williams when he's 22 years old. So as much as I like Tom Verducci, I'm thinking, uh, so here's the headline of the story. Diamondbacks rookie Corbin Carroll is one of the best players in the last century. Oh, my gosh. He's played 100 games. Okay, so he shows, so that's the Ellis Burks comparison. So then he's got this chart showing OPS after 100 games since 1900. He's eighth best ever in OPS. Okay, so number one is a guy named Nap Lajewi. Okay, he's in the Hall of Fame. He is one of the greatest players in the history of the game. Played for the played for Cleveland, played for Philadelphia. He, he was sensational. Hit over 400 one year. Number two is Fernando Tatis. We know he's really, really good. We'll see. Ed Delahanty's on the list. He's a Hall of Famer, played in the early 1900s. <laughs> but so is Cal Daniels. Number three is Cal Daniels. He played for the Reds in the 80s. Cal Daniels was an okay player. He was an okay player. Number six is a guy named Benny Koff. And even with all my ba- all I've read about baseball, I have never heard of Benny Koff. Well, he did this in 1912 through 14 in his first 100 games. Benny Koff. So he's saying because Corbin Carroll is number eight in this, he's one of the best players of the century. He's comparing him to Cal Daniels and Benny Koff. <laughs> You're saying, that makes him one of the best players of the century? Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Now, maybe he'll turn out to be. <laughs> I'm just I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because of how prone we are to exaggeration when we see somebody come up and they're just absolutely sensational. And we got the call about uh, De La Cruz, the Cincinnati shortstop third baseman earlier. And, yes, he looks like he's going to be sensational. But we don't know. And baseball, you judge over the long run. So I share with you also, if we get a call, you tell me. But I share with you also, you know I've been reading this book, uh, Tall Men, Short Shorts. Uh, it, it is, I'm telling you, Randy, it's one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And uh, and it's about the NBA. So you'd be surprised at that. It's about the 69 playoffs. I've <laughs> given you all that. I'm okay. shocked, yes. Yeah, 69 playoffs. Well, because it's written from a guy who later wrote for Sports Illustrated and at that time was a rookie reporter for the Boston Globe. and So he's telling not only his experiences of the teams, but also being around other sports writers. And he talks about Frank DeFord, who was obviously a legendary writer, and how he just had access to everybody because everybody thought he was so cool. And he's the one that wrote the story on Nolan Richardson after um, his uh, daughter Yvonne died. It just absolutely fabulous and a great writer. But nonetheless... Um, he is he's writing about the playoffs and in the second game Elgin Baylor had this great game and Elgin Baylor was really past his prime for the Lakers they talk about how the Lakers had the three superstars Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor Jerry West was still in his prime Wilt was in his prime Elgin was not, he was old but he pointed out and he quoted a story in Sports Illustrated in I don't know, 59 it was Elgin Baylor's second year in the league and Evidently, and and we don't even when we start talking about the best players ever, oh it's Michael Jordan or it's LeBron James, and of course I gripe because Wilt Chamberlain never gets mentioned, but <laughs> Elgin Baylor, the way this story was written, his moves were beyond Michael Jordan. When he came up, he did things that had never been seen in pro basketball before. That is true, and it talked about how. You know, two, they'd double-team him. They'd have two defenders on him, and he'd go in the air, and the two defenders would go in the air. After they came down, he'd still be in the air and sort of the basket. And, and so it, and it described the moves, and they were definitely Jordan-type moves. But the problem was he only had about six years like that, and then his knees started going bad. And so here in the 69 playoffs, he was near the end of his career, but he did have a tremendous game in Game 2. And so... Um, 
interesting, again, when we compare players. So when I'm talking about Tom Verducci saying that Corbin Carroll is already <laughs> one of the best players ever, if you'd have seen Elgin Baylor as a rookie, you'd have said, this guy is the greatest player in the history of basketball. <sighs> and six years later, he, you know, he's, he's, his knees are shot. So we do tend to over-exaggerate sometimes, don't we? <laughs> well, you know, I remember Elgin Baylor. I can't re- I can't tell you if I remember him as a rookie. Now, you have to realize... Well, you'd also, have been eight or nine years old. But you also have to realize there was so limited exposure. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, like I told you, the first two games of this weren't even on TV. Yeah. They sh- they showed it in Los Angeles. It was at two theaters, closed circuit. That's if you were in Los Angeles and couldn't get a ticket. That's how you watched the game. You had to go to a movie yeah. theater and buy a ticket. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's what I mean. We yeah. we saw so little. I mean, I can remember the parquet floors in black yeah. and white, black right. and white. Yeah. And watching Bob Cousy and and Bill Russell and all those great Celtics, John Havlicek. Uh, but it was kind of like the. Falstaff baseball game of the week. Yeah. W E E K. It wasn't the daily Falstaff uh, game of the day. It was the Falstaff game of the week. So you rarely got to see some of these guys except maybe once every who knows how many weeks. Yeah, right. And, And I think they'd show the same team Saturday and Sunday, or maybe it was just the Saturday game of the week. Might have been for when we were really little kids. And do you know that the announcers on that were Dizzy Dean and Paul and Pee Wee Reese? Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and and what's really interesting, particularly when you watch this Yogi Berra show, all the black and white footage they have. Do you know of all the games of the week that those two did together? There's only one inning that's preserved. And I used all, to love it. It's all gone. I it's used all to gone. love it when they showed Home Run Derby. Oh, yeah. Now, you can still get that stuff. And you'd have Mickey Mantle or you'd have Willie Mays go up in the box and talk with the The announcer announcer while the other guy was down on the field. Yep. Oh, it was great stuff. All right, back in a moment. Saline County, it's a day you've been waiting for. The official grand opening of the Summerwood Sports Complex on Highway 5 at the Bryant Parkway exit. And it all starts this Friday morning with Morning Mayhem broadcasting live from the complex. And you're invited too. So come on by and say hi, check out all the gyms, and also grab you some free breakfast while you're there. Then make plans to come back later that same evening as the Summerwood Complex will be hosting a basketball game between two of the most talented AAU teams in the local area. It's all happening this Friday with 103.7 The Buzz. Get in the zone with Justin Acri and Wes Moore every day from 10 to 1. Live from the Oakwan Racing Casino Resort Studios on 103.7 The Buzz. The FedEx St. Jude Championship returns to TPC Southwind August 9th through the 13th. Don't miss your chance to witness the top 70 players from the PGA Tour season battle it out in the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Only 50 players will make it through Memphis. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Daily grounds and upgraded ticket options are on sale now at FedExChampionship.com. Honey, look. I just used AI to create this painting. That's great, but it can't go car shopping for us. Let's try it. Best deals on cars near me. The best deals near you are at Quaddy Buick GMC next to Sands in North Little Rock. What's it doing? Oh, no. Must terminate COVID era loans and leases. And don't wait for AI to go haywire because it's already here. This month, Watney Buick GMC is terminating loans and leases made during the COVID era and resetting their pricing with rebates, dealer discounts, and trade assistance. Call 501-945-4444 or see GuatneyBuickGMC.com. 5700 Landers Road in North Little Rock. GMC. We are professional grade. All offers with approved credit. Get to Guadney Buick and your current loan or lease will be terminated, terminated, terminated. Guadney for Buick, Guadney for GMC, Guadney for Life. In sports, every coach is looking for the winning combination. Arch Marina North Lurak is no different. The reason being, they have the winning combination. G3 boats with a Yamaha motor. Your granddaddy trusted Arch Marine, so can you. 
celebrate 4th of July in downtown Little Rock at the 39th anniversary of Pops on the River. Presented by the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and sponsored by Land Rover. This free community event will begin at 5 p.m. with free activities for kids, food trucks, Lost 40, live music, and concluding with a tradition of the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra and a fireworks finale. Visit ArkansasOnline.com slash pops or check today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette for more information. Hey, it's Joey and Ryan right here at Red River Dodge. We've got some huge discounts to tell you about. We're doing it again. $10,000 off MSRP on new Ram 1500. And we've got up to $7,000 off new Jeep Gladiator Sport. Up to $5,000 off MSRP on new Jeep Wrangler. We have huge discounts, big selection. We're going to give you the most for your trade. So make that beautiful drive to Heber Springs. Or check us out on the web at RedRiverDodge.com. During the 4th July sales event. Bass tournaments in some of the best fishing spots in the state. It's Fishing Arkansas, Sunday mornings with Big Sarge. Fishing Arkansas is presented by Fletcher Auto Group, Shelter Agent Jamie Marsh, Stanley Hardware, Axles Plus, Cooper's Nursery, and Arkansas River Valley Roofing and Restoration. Live from the Eat My Catfish studios, you feed your crave for sports by listening to Drive Time Sports. Much like you feed your crave at any of the seven Eat My Catfish locations. You've got Drive Time Sports locked in on the Buzz Radio Network. Here is Randy Rainwater. Drive Time Sports on the Buzz Radio Network. Rick Schaefer, I'm Randy Rainwater. Let's go right to JoJo. JoJo, good afternoon. Welcome to Drive Time Sports. Thank you, Randy. Hey, Rick, I got a question, a baseball question for you. You know, the last couple of years, Arkansas has had pitchers who missed the, the entire season. Yeah. And I hear you all talk about uh, these guys play summer ball, like the Cape Cod League or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What kind of control does Dave and Horn have over those guys to make sure that they're not being overworked? So when the season starts, that they don't have a, a serious injury or something to their arm. That is a that's a question that I don't know the answer to. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. Maybe next time Kevin Bohannon's on, we need to ask him that because um, <clears throat> that's a that's an excellent thought. In that you're saying, okay, this guy pitched 60 innings at Arkansas uh, this summer. We're going to send him to the Cape Cod League, and we want you to limit him to. 40 innings. Uh, I I do not know the answer to that question, uh, but I do know that there are several pitchers that say if they have thrown a lot of innings, they don't pitch during the summer. And so uh, you look at uh, uh, Arkansas staff this year, you know, you got Hagen Smith is trying out for the USA team. And if he (laughs) makes it, he's going to pitch. If he doesn't, he's not going to pitch this summer. So I uh, I think. Uh, Jojo, and I don't have this upon authority, but they have relationships with all of these summer programs, meaning like Arkansas, Yeah, and they are basically positioning players. There are probably 20 kids, I'm guessing at least, if not more, who are sprinkled all throughout the country from coast to coast and all the way up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. So I am guessing they have a working relationship with that organization that says, okay, this kid, he did throw 40, 45 innings. We don't want him to throw more than 25 or 30 uh, through this summer. Or this kid is coming off of a rehab, and uh, we need him to just to hit only or whatever it may be. I've got to believe they've got these kind of relationships that's been built up over the years, yeah. or they wouldn't keep sending these kids to these same organizations right. over and over, and the organizations well, again, need the college talent, so right. they're going to they're going to work right. with those right. uh, with the college right. programs to do what they is best. Yes, I, I know guys probably got hurt uh, arm problems just as much back in the earlier days, but it seems like now that any sport that you're in, it's 365 days a year now. Yeah, and it seems yeah. like uh, when when I played baseball, you know, it was during the summer. After that, we were on the football. You, yeah. you were always doing something else. Yeah. Now with, with sports being 365 and you're doing that, it seems like you can probably get possibly overworked. There, you are exactly right. And uh, everybody needs a break. Everybody needs some time off. 
And that's why you will, will hear some football coaches say, when we recruit, I want somebody that did more than one sport. Right. I want, I want somebody that, and right. because it also, it, it enhances your abilities uh, in, right. in the sport that you do. Uh, there are things in basketball that will help you in football, things in football that will help you in basketball. Um, you know, even even wrestling, there are some, I, I think wrestling and basketball don't mix at all, but wrestling and football do. So, right. uh, you know, it, it, those are healthy matches. Plus, it does, it gets you, gives you some mental relief. And so Randy's been through this with travel baseball, and here's my argument with travel baseball is they're telling parents of 10 to 12-year-olds, not all of them, but some of them are saying, mm-hmm. hey, if, if you don't play baseball year-round, you have no mm-hmm. chance to make the major leagues. Right. Well, what are the right. chances of making the major leagues anyway? They, they're ridiculously low, so right. go enjoy something else, and if you are good at baseball, you'll emerge. Exactly. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Okay, thanks for calling. Thank you, JoJo. Uh, let's see. Um, good afternoon, Randy and Rick. With the soon retirement of Arkansas track and field coach Lance Harter, at the end of this month, this question comes to mind. What coach or professional athlete's retirement hit you the hardest? Michael Jordan's initial 1993 retirement was very tough, especially uh, with the recent murder of his dad. And Jordan was in the prime with a three-peat NBA World Championship. Well, we know he did come back. And he did we know. come back, yeah. Okay, re- re- okay, so what? He's talking about ever, I guess. I guess ever. What coach so or professional what, what, athlete's retirement hit you the hardest? What hit you the hardest? Woo! I guess I have to go back to uh, my youth. And that, I know it goes a long way back now, but when Mickey Mantle stepped aside, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think he'd ever, I didn't want him to ever retire. And um, I was such a huge Yankee fan only because of Mickey Mantle. And when he stepped aside, when he retired, that was tough. I, I, I could not imagine being around at that time and being, you know, whether or not I saw it, on limited television or otherwise, but when Lou Gehrig made that speech oh, in Yankee yeah. Stadium, yeah, which we've all oh, seen on tape, wow, yeah. you know yeah. that that had to be tough, yeah. tough, yeah. tough. Um, I don't get that attached to many athletes like that, or for that matter, even coaches, uh, to where I go, ooh, that hurts, that hurts. I hate sometimes whether. It's because of an injury or illness, on the other hand, that may force a superstar to have to retire early. But um, I'm just trying to think of, did I shed tears when Reggie Jackson or Derek Jeter retired? No. Um, you know, they were great players. But um, did one hit you particularly hard, Rick? A lot of them. I mean, I, I think of a lot of them. Okay, so... Uh... I've shared before Stan Musial at a home run the first game I ever saw. I didn't know a lot about age and team. I just knew I liked baseball. And when he retired after the 63 season, I thought, wow, isn't that something? I remember I was at my grandparents' house, believe it or not, in September. I don't know what I was doing there in September. Maybe school started later then. But uh, hearing on the radio a report that Ted Williams had hit a home run and that he was not going to accompany the team to New York, and so that was going to be his last plate appearance of his career. That was Hmm. in 1960. And then um, I think about Cal Ripken Jr., who I just absolutely loved and played and broke Gehrig's record, 2,632 straight games. And at the end of his career, when everybody knew he was retiring, and you remember his last All-Star game where Alex Rodriguez flipped positions with him right. uh, from th- and made him play shortstop for an inning, and then he hits a home run. But what people, most people don't remember is, I think he was like over 22 in his last uh, few games of his career. He, he, he could not buy a hit, so he hated that. And then the one that hit me the most personally was when Frank Broyles was pushed out. Uh, because I, mm. I, don't know, I don't know how long, because I worked for him for 24 years. And, uh, Coach, I'm trying to think how old he was. He, he, I think he was at least 80. He might have been 81. Maybe he died at 92. So I think he had nine or ten years where he was out of office. At that point, 
he was still very sharp. And there's one particular person, I'm not going to name, who was trying to get him out of there for a long time and finally achieved it. So that, to me, was a, a hard one. And the other one, it wasn't a retirement, but you know, when Nolan was pushed out. Yeah. That was because, again, those, those are two people that I love. And when that happened to Nolan, gee, me, you know, you thought, golly, to, to have, because he was still, maybe not in his prime, but he still had some good years left to coach, I think. And to have that happen to him, I think, was really, really rough. So those, you just got a lot of answers there, and I'm probably, I could probably think of some more, too. <laughs> well, I probably could, too, if I really sat down and thought about it, but I mean, yeah. just what hit me immediately was, uh, uh, when Mickey Mantle retired. Yeah, well, of course, I, I I knew that would be your answer. Well, really, that was it. And, and you know, it's interesting. Bob Costas is in the Yogi Berra movie, and he's in anything that they want baseball history in. You know, he's going to be there, and uh, he's still to this day. And here's a guy that grew up in St. Louis, and to this day, he carries a 1959 Mickey Mantle card in his wallet because he loved Mickey Mantle. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about, what was Mantle's last season, 68? Yeah. 68. So we're talking about 55 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he's still, Bob Costas still carries this guy's baseball. I don't have one, Bob, so if you've got one to share, <laughs> I'll throw it in my back pocket, too. Well, if his is in not, maybe it's not in great condition after putting his billfold. <laughs> uh, 1959 Mantle in really good condition is going to set you back a little bit, Randy. Yeah, uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think Bob yeah. will be sending me any cards no, from his. I don't think so from his mm-hmm. collection. Uh, <laughs> let's talk to uh, Steve. Steve, good afternoon. Welcome to Drive Time Sports. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Steve. What's up, buddy? Uh, do y'all know uh, Courtney Dyfel has done it again? Yep. Unless something I mean, has happened. I saw that on the, Channel it, 7 Sports, and I'm like, wow, got two players from the SEC. Yes. And another pitcher. State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Of yep. course, uh, the young lady she got from Auburn, I mean, she, she's not she's a good player, too. Mm-hmm. She's a hammer. But I was kind of surprised at the picture that... Uh, Coach Van Horn got from Kansas. His numbers aren't great, are they? No, I mean, maybe he sees something that he can. Uh, He's left-handed. With. Steve, left-handers are gold. Okay. They are gold. Well, as they say, they're a dime a dozen. So, I mean, and uh, they're hard to hit against because their spins on the balls are so different from a right-hander. Did you see that left-hander? Who was he pitching for in the College World Series? But he was almost dropping down to sidearm, but it really wasn't sidearm. It was it was kind of almost like he was throwing. If if there was a left-handed batter, you'd swear he was releasing the ball uh, outside of the uh, the left-hander's batter's box. I mean, it was very an unusual delivery. But he was left-handed. I, mean, I can imagine left-handers it, it having like a hard time hitting. It was like he was throwing a frisbee uh, pitch. Yeah, yeah, very effective. And and uh, LSU and Tennessee—they're in a pitcher's duel right now. So, but you know, I wish uh, the pitching staff would have held up. I feel like we would be playing today too. Very well, it could have been, but it wasn't. But, you know, uh, if anybody wins today, I want LSU to win because, I don't know, there's something about Tony Vitello I just don't like because he's infected the team with it. He's he's infected uh, the team with his arrogance, and they do go the same way he does. Uh, anyway, guys, I hear the music, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Steve. All right, Rick Schaefer. I'm Randy Rainwater. Drive Time Sports will continue. Hi, I'm Rick Pennington of Lions Truck. 
We have great news. Generic Cialis is now available at a huge savings. We have Tadalafil, the FDA-approved generic of Cialis, in a 20-milligram tablet at a savings of up to 80%. We have the 5-milligram daily tablets for less than $3 a pill. Lion's Drug continues to be your go-to pharmacy for men's health. What are you waiting for? Call us today at 844-676-2247 or go to our website at lionsdrug.com. Hey, Laura Beth, I love that Kaufman by Design West has what it takes to make a big holiday weekend even bigger and better. Yeah, David, we at Kaufman proudly support our active military, first responders, and veterans, and we want to make these holiday weekends super special. You can chill and grill with our large selection of Pelican coolers or even the big green egg grills that range from size small to extra large. We can provide the home items that you need to make it a great holiday to remember. If you want to have a great holiday, check out Kaufman by Design West on Highway 10 right past Taylor Loop Road or check them out online at KaufmanLumber.com. Guadney Chevrolet has redeployed. Deal Team 6. These guys didn't retire. They reloaded and declared it truck month without GM's blessing. Bite the bullet and get up to 7500 off select Silverados in stock with eligible trade. Trading a 2009 or newer? Stack the rebate. As high as 4250 on 2023 Silverado. Upgrade your family's personnel carrier to a 2023 Equinox with 2000 off in stock units. Why shop a mine? field of questionable used cars. Browse a huge selection of pristine pre-owned with Guadney's Deal Team 6 today. Guadney Chevrolet, the top gun of Arkansas's Chevy dealers. Coming from Little Rock? Avoid any traffic or construction by taking the Main Street exit in Jacksonville. Right on Main, then left on Bailey. To our front door, 1301 TP White Drive. Call 501-982-2102. GuadneyChevrolet.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads. All offered with approved credit. See dealer for details. After I drop the kids off, I have to run across town for a meeting, hit the gym during lunch, Jake has soccer tonight, and Emily has gymnastics? Oh, did I turn on the crock pot this morning? (laughs) With a never-ending to-do list, it's easy to forget something important, like setting up a life insurance plan with Shelter Insurance. Your local shelter agent can show you how to create a safety net for your family. Shelter Life Insurance Company, Columbia, Missouri. See shelter agent Dan Cook in North Little Rock, Becky Bradley in Sherwood, or Angie Collins in Heber Springs today. RJ Hawk here with Chris Roberts from Southern Bank. And Chris, people are still looking for lending options, and you guys have it. You know, RJ, whether it's a home equity or a mortgage, loan or even commercial lending, we're ready to help. And Chris, if you're not in the market for a loan right now, but you just have general banking needs, you guys have that covered as well. We have world-class respected products and highly competitive rates, all delivered by people that you know on a first-name basis. Experience the Southern Bank difference today by visiting bankwithsouthern.com. Southern Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Now, back to Drive Time Sports, live from the Eat My Catfish studios. Eat fresh, eat local, eat my Catfish. You've got Drive Time Sports locked in on the Buzz Radio Network. Here is Randy Rainwater. Welcome back to Drive Time Sports and the Buzz Radio Network. Rick Schaefer. I'm Randy Rainwater. We put the finishing touches on today's Drive Time Sports. Let's talk with Mr. E. Mr. E. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Man, doing great. How about you, Mr. E? All right, all right. Hey, listen, I was just listening to uh, people's return from baseball. Yeah, or any sport. Well, baseball was my first love. Yeah, me too. And at the same time, I grew up as a Dodgers fan. And uh, what now? Ooh. That's almost as bad as being a Red Sox fan, so that's okay, Mr. E. No, no, Randy. Oh, uh, no. we had to play, New York had to play Brooklyn, and then well, later on. We beat them on, all the time, except once. Yeah, then had to play when they became the Dodgers of California or Los Angeles. So Didn't always yeah. beat them then. No, not as often. But at, but at the same time, you guys talk about one game a week. I'm dumping them days. Oh, absolutely. Those were the days. CBS, uh, the Dean, if you release, and NBC, Joe Girl and Joe, somebody else. But, but at the same time, uh, on leaving the game, I, uh, Raz, Don Rasdale, the Senate Coast Records were one, two, punch. Yep. Were they Kurt Gowdy and Joe? Yeah, that's right. Kurt Gowdy. Yeah. 
Kirk got it, yeah. Yep. Same thing when the Senate Kovac, I guess he had an injury, didn't he? He had arthritis in his arm. And so after his after the 1966 season, in which he won what 26 games, I think he was like 26 and five, lost his last game in the World Series to Jim Palmer, one to nothing. Uh, but after the '66 season, he was 30 years old and he retired because it, because he had so much pain in his left arm, and he had to ice it down. Do all you know? They didn't do Tommy John surgeries back then, and so he wanted to be able to lift his arm when he was an older person, which he is now. And so that's he retired at the age of thirty. Well, at the same time, that was one moment that I, I hated that. You know. Oh yeah. Was, oh, of course. And Drysdale pitched several years after that. And the irony right. was, I believe it was it was '66 that they held out as a as a pair. They held out as a pair. They'd won the World Series in '65, and there was no reserve. I mean, there was a reserve clause there. There was no free agency. And both of them thought they were vastly underpaid, and so they held out, missed spring training, and then eventually, you know, they they crashed. They they had to because they couldn't go somewhere else, and it was the Dodgers or nothing. So they took what the Dodgers offered, and Sandy pitched one more year. Well, at the same time, you know, though they had some other good players on that team, Marty Wills and oh yeah, Maury Wills, Willie Tom, Davis, Tommy Davis, Tommy, Willie Davis, Tommy Davis, yeah, Stan uh, Williams. Uh, yeah, yep. Johnny Vaughn. Had a really pitcher named Ron Paranowski who was really good. Yeah, hey, named Joe uh, Roseboro is a catcher. John Roseboro. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Ren. They got your Yankee man Moose Taylor. <laughs> got him later in his career. The Moose. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, I tell you what, I know I ain't got time right now. Y'all don't have time. Going back when we were growing up, man. You cut them baseball cards off, off the cereal box, the cornflakes box. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Frosties, uh, oh, Kellogg's uh, Frost Toasties. They, no, they were post cereals. Post cereals had the, yeah. the baseball cards on the back. Yeah. What are them cards worth now? I don't know that the postcards are. They might be worth something because who kept them? <laughs> the, the key is when you're talking about what cards are worth, it's how many are still out there. That's why the Hannes Wagner card was worth so much, and that's why the 52 Mantle card is worth so much, because there aren't as many of them out there. So I never really, I mean, I did cut out the serial cards like a lot of kids did, but I didn't keep them. I didn't think they were anywhere near as cool as regular Pops cards. It didn't matter what card it was. It <laughs> went into the spokes of your bicycle. Oh, not your Sarge didn't. A master card would have never gone in the spokes. But the I'm spokes just saying, the bicycles those were for Chico Carasquel and Choo Choo Coleman. Ah, <laughs> yeah, Choo Choo Coleman. <laughs> if, 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 if a person got a Mickey Mantle or Roger Maris card, really, how, how, what is the worst though? You mean if it was a post serial card? I, yeah. I really, I really don't know. I, I've never really looked at what cards other than what Tops produced were worth, and the Mantle cards are worth a lot more than the Maris cards. Uh, because Maris, you know, basically had two absolutely sensational years. And other than that, was just a good player. Whereas Mantle was a superstar for many years. What about Hank Aaron? Hank Aaron cards, the good cards. Yes, if you're going back to get his 1954 rookie card, that is a very expensive card. Willie Mays's rookie card, very expensive card. But none of them compare to the 52 Mantle, because what happened right. back then is uh, Topps issued cards by sets during the time of the year by by series. And there were like six series of cards. So early in the year, you could only get the series one and series two later and all that. Well, 52 was their first year of producing. And Mickey Mantle was in the last series of set of, of cards. By then, kids were back in school. They weren't buying them. Mm-hmm. So they dumped right. boxes of them into the ocean. And oh, uh, so... So there aren't nearly as many mantle cards or anybody in the top in that top uh, series, and so if putting together a fifty-two set is really expensive. And I guess the top fifty-two card now is selling for in the millions. Wow! Yeah, I wish, yeah, there was... I wish that would have kept mine. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be talking to us right now, Mister E. <laughs> <laughs> I want the reason why college is cool, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. I was, I was, I was out of jump, man. Now, didn't we used to also 
cut out cards that was on the milk cartons? When there are cards at one time on Maybe. I, I I never got those, but you might have. Hey, hey Randy. Randy. Yes, sir. I, we didn't have a deliberate milk carton. We had <laughs> milking cows. Oh, no, you had glass <laughs> bottles. I mean, it was it was only wow. later. No, 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 no. We milked them. Dad had cows. Mm. And hopefully they didn't get in the wild lane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I remember going from glass to the uh, to the milk cartons. Man, we're we're losing yeah, anybody that's under fifty now. I mean, we're going way back in history. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, to my, think of? see, I grew up. My dad, my dad was a farmer. Yeah, and we we had mules, horses, planting cotton, and all that. Wow! And we milked cows. Oh Angel. my! Angel. I never had to do yeah. that mystery. We we uh, had gardens. You know, we we planted a lot of stuff. Come home from the field. He had about a two-acre garden at the house. We didn't get no rest. Two oh acres. my goodness wow. gracious! What a, people, what a that is a it, huge. That's not a garden, but that's like a farm into it. itself. But he called it a garden. <laughs> in the month, you know. <laughs> he, I got to tell you, he was trying to he was trying to calm you down from having to work in a two a two acre garden. But but at the same time, uh, people ask me. I live, I live out in the city of Conway. You got this land up. You ain't got a garden? I said, I got my garden. <laughs> Kroger. I said, Kroger's my garden. Kroger's. Yeah, Kroger. That's pretty good. Now, don't you remember, Mystery, also, when you went on a trip and your family stopped and you, you got a Coca-Cola, you always went to the bottom of the Coca-Cola bottle to see where it was produced from. And let's say it was produced in Texas. Everybody else's bottle, let's say, was produced in Memphis. Then yeah. the one in Texas was the, quote, winner because it was the furthest away. But it yeah. always always on the bottom of the... Of wow. I never, when, knew, I never did that. Never whether it's a six and a half ounce or the 12 ounce on the bottom of the... Hey. On the bottle... Hey. There was where it was manufactured, and, and Coca Cola and all the pops there was five cents out of the Yeah, five exactly cents. Right. Exactly right. And then you could take the bottle back, and you could get almost a nickel for it. And you had you had the chest uh, that you went into, and you had to put your coin in. Then you had to slot it down that slot, that rail. That's right. And I can That's think right. of how many times I could not get it out because it was it was hung up for some reason. Yeah. Are we about yeah, to I tell ain't. everybody that we used to walk three hour, three miles through the snow we did. to school or we what? Did. <laughs> we, hey, one, more, we, one more thing I'm going to get Hurry, up. Mr. E. Hey, then they went up to seven cents. That's back when pennies meant something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you could get three cents for an empty bottle of, of uh, Coca-Cola. All right, thank you, Mystery. we got to say so long and good night. For Rick Schaefer, I'm Randy Rainwater. Have a great rest of the night. So long, everybody. We are just a bunch of guys having fun. Uh, just one has exceptional hair. Uh, yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. 103.7 The Buzz, KABZ, Little Rock. Attention seafood lovers, Eat My Catfish is back open in Little Rock. The new Eat My Catfish in Riverdale is located in the Riverdale Shopping Center beside the movie theater and Ace Hardware. Eat 